0: Chapter Forty-Eight of the Scalp Hunters. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Scalp Hunters by Thomas Maine Reed. Chapter Forty-Eight. Smoked out. Our conversation had been carried on in a low tone, for the Indians still remained in front of the cave. Many others had arrived and were examining the skull of the Canadian with the same looks of curiosity and wonderment that had been exhibited by their comrades. Reuben and I sat for some time in silence, watching them. The trapper had flitted near me so that he could see out and talk in whispers. I was still apprehensive that the savages might search the cave. "Tain't likely," said my companion. "They mount if there hadn't a been so many of these diggins dye see there's a grist of them." more'n a hundred on t'other side, and most of the men who got clur took fur down. It's my notion that the injuns seed that, and won't disturb if there ain't that dog. I well understood the meaning of the emphasis with which these last words were repeated. My eyes, simultaneously with those of the speaker, had fallen upon the dog, Alp. He was running about in front of the cave. I saw at a glance he was searching for me. The next moment he had struck the trail where I had crawled through the cacti, And came running down in the direction of the cave. On reaching the body of the Canadian, which lay directly in his track, he stopped for a moment and appeared to examine it. Then, uttering a short yelp, he passed on to that of the doctor, where he made a similar demonstration. He ran several times from one to the other, but at length left them, and with his nose once more to the ground, disappeared out of our view. His strange actions had attracted the attention of the savages, who, one and all, stood watching him, my companion and I were beginning to hope that he had lost me, when, to our dismay, he appeared a second time, coming down the trail as before. This time he leaped over the bodies, and the next moment sprang into the mouth of the cave. A yell from without told us that we were lost. We endeavored to drive the dog out again, and succeeded, Rube having wounded him with his knife. But the wound itself, and the behavior of the animal outside, convinced our enemies that some one was within the shaft. In a few seconds the entrance was darkened by a crowd of savages, shouting and yelling. "'Now show your shootin' young feller,' said my companion. "'It's the new kind of pistol you have got. Load every barrel o' it.' "'Shall I have time to load them?' "'Plenty of time. They ain't a going to come in without a light. Tur gone for a torch to the shanty. Quick, will yer. Slap in the farter!' Without waiting to reply I caught hold of my flask and loaded the remaining five chambers of the revolver. I had scarcely finished when one of the Indians appeared in front with a flaming brand, and was about stooping into the mouth of the cavern. "'Now's your time!' cried Rube. "'Fetch the nigger out of his boots—fetch him!' I fired, and the savage, dropping the torch, fell dead upon the top of it. An angry yell from without followed the report, and the Indians disappeared from the front. Shortly after, an arm was seen reaching in, and the dead body was drawn back out of the entrance. "'What will they do next, think you?' I inquired of my companion. "'I can't tell exactly yet, but they're sick of that game, I reckon. Load that burl again. I guess we'll get a lot of em before we gins in. Cuss the luck—that gun targets. If only I had that leetle piece here—'e've got six shots, have he? Good. E'm out up the cave with their cartridges before they can reach us. It are a great weapon, and no mistakes—I seed the cap use it—lor how he made it tell on them niggers—in the shanty. "'There ain't many of them about, I reckon. Load sure, young feller. There's plenty of time. They knows what you've got there.'" During all this dialogue, none of the Indians made their appearance, but we could hear them on both sides of the shaft without. We knew they were deliberating on what plan they would take to get at us. As Rube suggested, they seemed to be aware that the shot had come from a revolver doubtless some of the survivors of the late fight had informed them of the fearful havoc that had been made among them with our pistols and they dreaded to face them what other plan would they adopt starve us out they mount said rube in answer to my question and kin if they try there ain't a big show of itlin here exceptin we chaw donicks, but there's another way if they only have the gumption to go about it that'll get us sooner than starvin huh ejaculated the speaker, with emphasis. I thought so. They're going to smoke us. Look ye yonder. I looked forth. At a distance I saw several Indians coming in the direction of the cave, carrying large bundles of brushwood. Their intention was evident. But can they do this? I inquired, doubting the possibility of our enemies being able to effect their purpose in that way. Can we not bear the smoke? Barret. You're green, young feller. Do ye know what sort of brush they were totin' yonder? No, said I. What is it? It er the stink plant then, and the stinkiest plants he ever smelt, I reckon. The smoke o' it would choke a skunk out o' a persimmon log. I tell ye young un, we'll either be smoked out or smothered where we are, and this child ain't fit injun for thirty yearn or better to go under that away. When it gets to its worst, I'm a goin' to make a rush. That's what I'm a goin' to do, young feller. But how? I asked hurriedly. How shall we act then? How? You're game to the toes, ain't ye? I'm willing to fight to the last. Well, then, here's how—and the only how. When they've raised the smoke so that they can't see us a comin we'll streak out among'em. You have the pistol, and can go foremost. Shoot every nigger that clutches at ye, and run like blazes. I'll follow close on your heels. If we can once get through the thick of them, we mout make the brush, and creep under it to the big caves on t'other side them caves jains one another and we mount dodge them thur i seed the time this coon could a run a bit but these here jaints ain't as supple as they were once. we can try never them less and mind young feller it's our only chance do we hear i promised to follow the directions that my never despairing companion had given me they won't get old rube's scalp yet. they won't <laughs> I turned towards him. The man was actually laughing at this wild and strangely timed jest. It was awful to hear him. Several armfuls of brush were now thrown into the mouth of the cave. I saw that it was the creosote plant—the Idiodondo. It was thrown upon the still-blazing torch, and soon caught, sending up a thick black smoke. More was piled on, and the fetid vapour, impelled by some influence from without, began to reach our nostrils and lungs, causing an almost instantaneous feeling of sickness and suffocation. I could not have borne it long. I did not stay to try how long, for at that moment I heard Rube crying out, "'Now's your time, young feller! Out and gin fits!' With a feeling of desperate resolve, I clutched my pistol and dashed through the smoking brushwood. I heard a wild and deafening shout. I saw a crowd of men of fiends. I saw spears and tomahawks and red knives raised and End of section forty eight